You are now listening to the Wise Like That podcast, where we discuss PTSD, anxiety, depression, suicide, and everything in between. Today's topic is suicide. It's deep, it's real, it's raw. Please take a listen to Heath's story right now, where he was seconds before suicide. Check it out. Now, Heath, I know you've shared with me before this uh, suicidal ideation that you had, where you were seconds before an attempted suicide. Um... Can you share with the listeners this experience of, of what was going through your mind and what happened? It was around September 2006, and I was sitting in a squad car, right? It was a VQ-3. It was on the end of a flight line, and it's a pretty well-protected area. We had two guys on duty and a watch commander, and our whole job there was just to, to make sure that those alert aircraft are, are ready to roll. And I remember parking at the end of this red, red line, you know, I was sitting there staring off at the runway. The next thing I knew I was in cold sweats and I was shaking. And I remember pulling my nine mil Beretta out of my holster. And I just looked at it and I put it up to my head like this. And I just had a mass flood of things running through my mind at the time and none of it made sense. It's like I could almost I could almost remember everything that I was was going through my head. I was a brand new dad. I haven't been married that long. You know, me and my wife made our first long haul travel over there. It was like a, a, a brand new thing for me. You know, we had a small apartment. It's like we we're, you know, just a young couple getting getting by and getting established, you know, and then my girl, man, you know, my just me being a dad, I didn't know how to take it. I think that me being that young and going through the things I went through really did not prepare me for what was ahead. I felt everything was out of control. All I kept seeing was flashbacks in that car, though. It wasn't even about my wife and my kids. It was about seeing mangled bodies and just destruction. And It's like you can almost see demons just reaching out to grab you. And at that split second, that split moment, I don't know what it was, if it was my faith or what. It's like my radio crackled and then my watch commander called over and told me I needed to, to return you know, to, to the guard shack. And I guess maybe that call is what saved my life because I put my gun back in my holster and I came back to the guard shack like nothing ever happened. But I never forgot that moment. That no, that moment's lived with me, as you can see till now. It's like vivid. It's one of those vivid things that never goes away. I was like that close, you know? All I had to do is, it was like nine pounds of pressure and it was a wrap. Today's topic, guys, is suicide. It's not an easy thing to talk about by any means at all, but it is a reality that we face in this world that we live in with friends, family, even ourselves. As always, it's me, uh, your host, Trey Trevino. I'm always here by his side, Mr. Heath Garcia. Welcome, everybody. I got a special guest tonight. We got a special guest tonight. His name is Johnny Haynes. So I'm going to give you a little bit about Johnny Haynes, and then we're going to get him on here to, to talk to us. But just a little bit about him. 
He is 31 years old. He's a Navy vet, prior MC, which for those who don't know what an MC is, that is a pretty much a photographer for the Navy, you know, for anything, any type of operation, mission, essential type stuff. He's out there. He's filming it. He's recording it. He was on the Eisenhower for the majority of his time in. Uh, I know that he spent seven years in there. Uh, he went to nuke school uh, as his second duty that he stayed in for, which was uh, being able to photograph, you know, do fo- uh, photography operations in that school. Uh, but a little bit about the Eisenhower, his operational deployment history, just like a lot of us, was very high tempo. In June 2011, where the where the budget crisis was. In the, in the Navy where a lot of our funding was getting cut and things like that. Uh, this guy did back-to-back deployments. He stayed out out on the water from June 2011 to December 2012. Uh, and that was when he first returned home. He was married, uh, has, a, has, a, has a son. And just imagine coming home to this six-month-old son, you know, that uh, – couldn't walk. He didn't see the, 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 the boy come into the world. He wasn't able to hold him, you know, like a lot of us that were able to at least be there for our, our child's birth. He wasn't, you know, he was serving this country. Then to top it all off, he gets sent right back out the door in February, 2013, doesn't return back till July. Uh, and at this point when he comes home, now his kid doesn't even recognize him. Kids walking. He's a year old. And now Johnny's got a dilemma. He's out of the Navy. He's out of the service. He served the country well. He was used to a certain type of operational uh, commitment and I guess up-tempo, as we like to call it, or, or you know, how fast things move and, and stuff like that. And then he comes back home and now Johnny has to, to settle in with the family. And how does he do that? You know, he doesn't understand what's going on. He suffers now from a major depressive disorder, uh, which is a great reason why we have him on this show. And yes, just like my story that you heard earlier, he has one that's that's fairly similar. I mean, it's pretty deep. We're getting pretty deep, Trey. Tonight's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a there, big man. night. Yeah. But hey, like I said, we're about to kick it to the beast called Suicide, Suicide Prevention Month this month. So let's get busy and let's conquer this sucker. Well, I know. Hi, uh, Trey. Hey, what's going on? What's up? Just wanted to put a little something in there. I mean us that are in the Navy and Navy veterans or whatever else that we follow like Navy times or military news or stuff on Facebook. I know we saw that uh, one of the meme pages posted a lot of stuff about one of our ships that had two suicides in one day. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. And they brought it to light. This meme page brought it to light and a lot of people poured in a lot of resources got poured into them. I, uh, I messaged that guy, Told him about this. He said it was awesome. He commented on there. I think maybe that's how Johnny got a hold of us. But the outpouring, the outreach that, that came there, you know, there was some bad stuff where people were like, it's real out here. Oh, yeah. Where they're at, where they're, however they're doing, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to speak on their command or how they're doing. I'm just saying it's it's real. This is how real it is. Two suicides in one day, and they've had about, what, four within the past year, three within the past month. And Trey is crazy. It's on the rise. Yeah. It's you look rise. at, man. And I won't get into any particulars, you know what I mean, for the for the respect out of the families and yeah. out of all the friends and everything like that. But senior enlisted in the military period, the rise of suicide is on the uptick. Yeah. Skyrocketing. We had three senior enlisted leaders here at Whidbey mm-hmm. last year. Yes. And you wouldn't have even guessed it. I knew all three of them. I know you knew them. Mm-hmm. And I would have never guessed it. Nope. 
And everybody you talked to that knew these people, like, did you see anything? Maybe nope. like once or two Z's that really, really, really like they had them. But everybody else is like, no, I never would have thought that at all. Yeah. There was no signs, man. Yeah, and it's like we we're talking about last week on transparency and the things we do when we're not. We just stay secluded in our own mind, in our own house or whatever it is where your own place of of getting under a rock is. And we don't show those things like we're out. Like we said before, when we're out in the stores or in public or out in town, we're not showing that face. We just like no smiley face. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's doing good. And once you come back in those doors or you're by yourself, you know, you know, nothing's right. So why is it like that? Why is it like that? Um, Johnny, go ahead. Uh, if you want to share your story, we got Johnny Haynes on here. He's on Skype visiting from uh, Kentucky. How's the weather Hi, over there? <laughs> uh, well, it rained for the first time in uh, about two weeks. Everyone was a little confused for a second. Um, <laughs> but we don't. You know, we don't have to look about hurricanes like they do down uh, out on the coast. So, that's yeah, good. yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's correct. <laughs> All right, Johnny. So we we did a little we did a little intro for you, man. I hope I did you a little bit of justice on there. I know that you're 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 really jumping out on a limb here um, and trying to save some lives with us. You know what I mean? And I know that you have your own personal story. And uh, talking to Trey, it is very massively impacting and. I can't wait to hear it, man. So, so the mic's yours. Well, um, I guess, uh, first off, I just want to thank you guys for having me here for doing this. Um, this is oh. something that not a lot of people like to talk about or would rather sweep under the rug, especially uh, first veterans. But I, I particularly like what I enjoy about you guys' show is that you, uh, you don't limit it to the veteran community. You it's, this is something that affects uh, people from all walks of life, all ages, um, all professions. Absolutely, so, man. I just uh, say thank you for that. No problem. But, uh, yeah, I'll try to keep my story as, as brief as I can here. Um, not sure how much time you guys have. Well, but, by um, all means, brother, do not do us any favors. Please, we want to hear who Johnny is. We want to know Johnny's walk. This is what's going to talk to the people out there right now that could be possibly – second guess in their own lives at this very moment. So we want to hear it, brother. Tell it how it is. Don't be afraid to, to let it out there. And like I said, take your time. Okay, so uh, a couple corrections to uh, what you said earlier. That was uh, June 2012. I'm sorry. Um, and that was uh, those suicides, those were three in one week, not one month. Wow. Um, if you can wrap your head around that. Too much. Wow. One of them was one of those was a thief and i'm not sure about the others or, or who they were but honestly it's it's a shame that it takes now i get that our, our military or everything about the navy everything we do in the navy is written in blood right um, yeah that's what they say <laughs> and it's a shame though that it takes everyday sailors dying for us to start talking about this i mean i was almost one of those people but I'll get to my story here. Um, so I grew up in Cincinnati, what they call the Queen City in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I had a, I had a, I had a pretty good childhood. Uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, I had good parents. They weren't, uh, they weren't perfect, but no parents. And you know, they were teaching, teaching with what, you know, what they knew about raising children at the time. And you know, they they always put uh, the value of education and and new experiences and and learning new things. So I went off to college. 
didn't really do too well in college. Um, kind of, kind of did what a lot of kids do and, and party too much. Um, got married. I was in Kentucky at the time. Didn't really have a whole lot of options. And uh, I was like, huh, maybe maybe seems cool. I'll travel the world, shoot some guns, maybe meet some people, whatever. So I joined in uh, June 2011. Did A school in uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. About a year later is when I reported to my first ship, the Eisenhower. And we deployed pretty much as soon as I got there. He's gray and underway, um, man. And my wife was pregnant at the time. Yeah, a couple months after we got out, uh, baby baby was born. I was in the Persian Gulf. Luckily, I had a, I had some good leadership, and they uh, I wasn't supposed to be able to, to call home, but they they somehow worked some connection to where I could be on the phone when he was born. And so that was that was uh, I was able to get that at least. But I remember coming back from that uh, between those two deployments. And I remember, you know, all the new dads get to line up and be the first ones off the ship. I remember walking off the brow. Sounds terrible to say out loud. I felt nothing. Nothing at all. And it's a terrifying, if you've ever felt that, it's not even sad. It's, it's a, uh, it's yeah, crippling. it's just a terrifying. It's crippling. <laughs> and, and you feel a little bit of guilt for feeling nothing at all. But that, I mean, I've, if I'm being honest, that's, that's where I was. I don't want you know? to interrupt you, Johnny, but I... We we talked about this last week. I know that I know that I've addressed it in a few groups. The feeling of of just wanting to be able to feel something, mm-hmm. and and I totally exactly. get it. I I've been there, so you're not alone. Go ahead, Johnny. Sorry, man. Thank. You. So um, yeah. Uh, so I pretty much hurry up. I had I had enough time to see my hold my hold my baby. <laughs> give him back, turn around and go right back out to the sea again. Even in that brief time, my, my wife and I were fighting a lot. We left pretty much when I left, went out to sea, we weren't on the best terms. That second deployment, uh, you know, I was TAD to security, uh, ASF security forces. Basically I was a, I was a, uh, I had a badge. I carried a gun. I was basically a boat cop. So I like to call it. Um, hey, now, 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 now. Cause yeah, you know, watch <laughs> out, man. I'm a master. I'm a career master at arms, 18 years. So, you know, we don't call them boat cops, all right? <laughs> but I respect your job. Trust me, we have one of the hardest jobs ever. So uh, thanks for yeah. serving as an auxiliary security force member. That's awesome. Go ahead, Johnny. I was just poking a little yeah, fun at yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I uh, – and it was. For the most part, it was fun. Um, I met a lot of great people. I learned a lot of uh, – a lot of skills I would have never learned otherwise. You know, we, we had a few ports. We spent a lot of time at sea. We pulled back in July uh, 2013, and that feeling was still there. That feeling of, of nothing, of wanting to desperately feel something was there. If I'm being honest, the only thing that brought that feeling or that brought that made me feel anything was drinking. You know, that's not good. And that devil's all too familiar with a lot of folks out there, including... Trey, yep. mine was a totally different beast, but it's all coping strategies to try to, and I, I think that, you know, I'm over that mark now about the numbness part. Like I've actually, I really am happy with the results that I'm, you know, that I'm having with my treatments and stuff. And, um, the numbness doesn't last forever, but when it's there, it hurts. And when it hurts, it gets hard. And when it gets hard, we gets to drinking and we gets to doing the things that we need to do to keep that numbness from being numb. 
if that even makes sense. Well, yeah, that, that's probably like the only feeling that you have during that numbness period. For me, at least the only feeling that I could ever feel was guilt, shame and hurt. That is all I could feel. There was no there was no high point. There was no feeling good. It was just guilt, shame and hurt is all I could go. And that's what kept me in that circle of drinking. You know, you you drink to try to numb at least that little piece because you're already numb anyways. And you're trying to feel just so many emotions. And then once you're like, all right, that's enough. I I shouldn't have done that. And then the guilt and shame comes in. And it's like, well, I'm just going to, you know, hair the dog and uh, that'll make it go away a little bit. And nope, there you are again, freaking at noon, walking to the store to get a bottle. Can't wait till you get home to drink it. That yeah, was me. Well, yeah, I'll get into that later on in the story. But yeah, so basically, right after we got back from uh, deployment, we went into the shipyard in Portsmouth, Virginia. I don't know if you've ever done any time in the yards, but it's a, uh, it's a rough place, man. It's tiring. <laughs> it's tiring. You you go into work. If you're enlisted, you park about a mile and a half away from the ship. You know, so you're walking to work every day wearing a hard hat. You come out, your uniform's covered in dust. Your car's covered in dust. You're breathing in all sorts of crap. Uh, getting yelled at. <laughs> getting yelled at. You know, they're handing. They, you're fighting with contractors, and and there's oh, yeah. they're they're literally tearing apart your your home around you, and you're still in it though. So, I mean, I, it's it's like being renovating your house, but, you know, or tearing your house down and living in it at the same time. No, and that's a good point, man, <laughs> because a lot of us in the Navy or in the Marines, Army, Air Force, I mean, you look at an Air Force guy in his plane, you look at an Army guy, you know what I mean, in their, in their uh, in whatever they're doing out there in their tents or their, you know what I mean, or their foxholes, whatever, or their dormitories, you look at uh, Navy guys in their ships. And you look at marine companies and what they got going on, whether they're air, you know what I mean, or land or whatever. And it's a second home to us. So, yeah, it's very personal when you start messing with your house. You know what I mean? Totally get <laughs> right. it. Go ahead, brother. So, yeah, but I went from there. I started feeling the first emotion come back was anger. I remember uh, being so angry that I broke a couple of cell phones. Uh, I threw things. I mean, I scared the crap out of my uh, my wife at the time, and I didn't I didn't do anything to to hurt her. But I was I was not a nice person to be around. I'll say that. Me too. You know, it was time to rotate off to shore duty. Um, so I picked orders down in South Carolina in Charleston, uh, staff at the nuke school. Yeah, though that was a uh, that was a whole different uh, weird. Duty station. You're around. You're surrounded by uh, three thousand nukes. I don't know how many nukes you know, but there's some uh, odd very characters. talented, talented individuals. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was a. It was a different. Being in a schoolhouse and, and being uh, being around that was was different. A lot of longer hours than I expected, and a lot more stress than than I <laughs> bargained for. But I started dealing with. Some other issues. I started uh, forgetting things. I'd forget my keys all the time, my wallet. I'd forget to do simple things at work. I'd forget to show up to places. I'd forget pieces of my uniform. And uh, yeah, combine that with the anger and and uh, not not really feeling anything, not really being able to be happy. My wife eventually got fed up. Naturally, she left. Hey, Johnny. Back up the kid. Sorry, brother. Yeah. I, I just wanted to jump in there and ask you a question. Um, 
and, I, and I'm just trying to tie things together, but before your wife left, did you, did you know that there was anything that was going on? You know what I mean? Did you, did you go seek kind of like help from anybody or if you did, what was your experience? You know what I mean? While this was all trans transforming and unfolding in front of you, you know what I mean? Like your life was, like you said, was pretty much falling apart. I mean, was there any sort of like, I need something, you know what I mean? Like I need to reach out somewhere here. I need to talk to my chain of command. Uh, you know what I mean? I need to confide in her and find out what's up. I mean, explain, you know, a little bit of expound on that if you can. Okay. Absolutely. Um, well, I remember this was when I was still in the shipyard. Uh, at that point I had come back from my, uh, PD to security. I was running the print shop, uh, on the Eisenhower, basically a military kinkos, if, if you will. Um, and there was some sort of big print job. I had completely messed up to be honest. We were in courts at the end of the day and in front of everybody in front of the whole division, he looks at me and says, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, I remember getting these chills and I'm, I'm feeling them now, which is weird because it's three years later. But I remember not not knowing how to answer that and, and being silent. And she's still staring at me like, well, you can I answer? Like, how do you answer that question? You know? Yeah, and, like, um, you're, like you're a book. You can pop into the chapter and be like, well, according to section A, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> And it was a question I was asking myself that whole time, ever since that that moment. What the fuck is wrong with me? Um, pardon, I don't, I'm, pardon my language, but you know. Nah, man. This, this, we're raw right here. here. It's raw. It's what it's about. Yeah, I remember asking that question and not being able to grasp it, and and knowing on the t- like in the back of my head something wasn't right, but not 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 being able to to grab it, you know. Yeah, basically my, my life, as, as I said, it, it fell apart around me. And uh, my wife packed up my kids, uh, packed up our son, moved back here to Kentucky, uh, where we were from. Okay. And um, yeah, we hadn't, she said, oh, I'm just moving, you know, hey, we're, we're going to uh, spend some time apart, you know, make it work, whatever, you know, get ready for you to get out. Yeah, yeah, the, the celebratory, like, I'm going to. I'm going to ease my way out of this relationship so you don't try to, you know, try to hold me back or whatever. And and then she just slips out into the darkness kind of thing. And, you know, um, yeah. And, and the thing is since then, uh, after, as a caveat, you know, my wife and I get along great or my ex-wife and I get along great now, you know, it took a while to get there and it was ugly, but we, we've got to a point where we realized, okay, we've got this kid together rest of our lives we have to whatever differences we got we got to put them aside and be parents i, res- I respect her as my partner and as a, as a co-parent but anyway where was i going so she left oh so she left uh i was still in charleston in our apartment uh our lease runs out and i still have this apartment full of all our stuff Damn. and uh <laughs> yeah she didn't take much with her so i move across the street into an apartment with uh basically long story my, my drinking buddy uh probably perfect not, yeah probably perfect. not the best move but okay <laughs> it does not end well now um and uh it's one thing to be friends with somebody or grab some beers with them it's another thing to live with them 
And, oh, uh, yeah, that's like party central, right? Like every day. That was pretty much it. I, I went on a like a six-month bender. Um, Damn. And it was a blur. But uh, basically, come come July of that year, 2016, I, uh, you know, I had a day where I just, at work, I looked in the mirror and I hated who I was. I hated what I'd become. I hated that I couldn't, that everything was a mess and I didn't see any way out. So I told, uh, one person that the, uh, one of my coworkers, Hey, I'm going to go across the street to medical real quick. (laughs) And, um, I, uh, walked out of work uh, wrote a good, uh, goodbye note to all my friends. Um, and I'm looking for a place to jump. I was, uh, had every intention of being dead by the end of the day. Um, and I settled on a parking garage and I, I parked my car and I sat there for a minute and I stood up on the edge and I stood up on the edge and I looked down. How high was that parking garage? If, I mean, I'm not trying to, but I'm just trying it's to get Charleston. the viewers to. So the thing is, Charleston is, uh, I don't know how, how much you know about South Carolina or, or anything like that, but Charleston is not a, there's not a lot of tall buildings in Charleston. Um, it's a coastal town. So, I mean, it was probably no more than 10 stories up. That's so pretty I looked high. Down at, <laughs> it's high, high enough to kill you. But I looked down and I'm like, you know, this is going to hurt. And, uh, I need to be drunk before I do this. So I get down and I go to my favorite uh, pub down the street. I go get good and hammered. I'd, uh, I'd taken out all my cash out of my bank account at the time. Plop my cash down. I drank about 14, 15 beers. And I walk back into the parking garage. And when I walk back into the parking garage, NCIS is waiting there for me. They pointed at me and said, hey, you're, you're Johnny, right? And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> and, you know, they... Uh, I remember this NCIS agent coming, putting his arms around me and saying, hey, it's going to be okay. And I'm, I'm breaking down like, no, clearly it's, it's really not, dude. Like nothing, nothing about this moment is going to be okay. Yeah, like you have um, no idea what's going on with me right now. Like, I mean, I'm just listening to your story, Johnny. And from 2011 to July 2016, it seems that you were in a spiral downwards from the military through the feelings of numbness to using alcohol as a coping mechanism, because all you wanted to do is really feel and engage something with your, with your child, with your family that you couldn't. So you're trying to bring something back to the bitter divorce. You know what I mean? And, and the, and the stuff that went on with that. And now you're, now you're sitting here staring down 10 stories saying that this is going to hurt. Yeah. And you had to walk back to just to get hammered, just to come back to do it. And there's this person that's saying it's going to be okay. And putting his arms around you, right? Yeah. NCIS agent. First time, first of all, NCIS agents don't look anything like they do on TV. They're just, uh, they're just regular dudes, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And um, yeah. So, so that, I ended up hospitalized after that. Now, before then, that was the other thing. Before then, I had uh, joined the fire department right outside the base as a volunteer. After I got out of the military, I wanted to continue serving in some capacity. And so I wanted to join the fire service. And 
I fell in love with it. It's a uh, unique. There's a tight brotherhood that's that's similar to the military. Adrenaline um, rush. Adrenaline rush um, of going to a call and and doing things. And for the most part, that that part of my life, uh, being the firefighter, has not negatively impacted me. Which is weird. It's like it's it's like it's two separate parts of my my person, if you will. But at the same time, all this is going on. I'm losing friends, you know, every few months, friends are killing themselves. You know, mm. I can count 11 or 12 people since uh, 2013 that I've known personally, that I served with personally, that have died from suicide. One of them was our CMC from that deployment. So it just goes to show you that it, this, this affects people of all ranks, you know? Yeah, and all um, statuses too. I mean, you could be civilian, military, child, adult. Does not discriminate whatsoever. No, it does not. Yeah, and I and um, so I ended up hospitalized uh, for six what, days. What after kind of that. hospital was it? Uh, regular hospital? Uh, or, it was a. It was like a mental wing of a regular hospital. That okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And it was it was an experience that was that was a whole nother like I could talk about that experience all day. And, you know, you're in there with, uh, they just kind of throw you in there with, with all these random people. You're in there with like the person that's drooling on themselves, the person banging their head against the window, the the person coming down from heroin. I mean, it was everybody, people with Alzheimer's, they just like throw everybody in, in this giant melting pot, I guess. I don't have a a better term for that. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's pretty much. Like they take everybody and they don't really know what to do with them. You know what I mean? So they, they toss them into this, you know, deal. And luckily, John, I'll, I'll speak from experience that there is programs now that actually got it right. You know what I mean? And and they don't do that. Um, and they kind of are now basing care off of people's needs. So I hate to say it, but you were one of those, like you said, it's written in blood. You know what I mean? It's like back then. Yeah. In, in, in these in these younger years of mental illness and PTSD when it wasn't exploding like it is now, yeah, it, it's it's just the dynamic has changed. I think a lot more people are recognizing it. I think that people like you are bringing a lot of things to light to help these guys make solidified, more more uh, robust programs, you know? So um, go ahead, brother. Just throwing that in there. Um, and while I was hospitalized, I had, you know, a few friends come and visit me. And and, a surprise, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had a few, few friends come and visit. Um, my wife came, and I remember she sent her looking at me saying, like, wow, this is going to be hard to recover from. Yeah. That just made me feel worse, um, to be honest. And uh, I remember them just throwing all sorts of medications at me, just feeling numb and even more numb, if that's possible. Um, no, it's very possible. Medication is kind of, when I was first put on meds, it kind of made me feel like, all right, well, now they really don't know what the heck's wrong with me. So now they're just going to drug me up and stick me in a corner. You know what I'm saying? And 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 hopefully I get through it kind of thing. Right. I mean, that's what I right, felt. Right. And that's pretty much uh, what happened after that. I ended up uh, hospitalized uh, two more times before the end of the year. And, uh, yeah, at some point I was on twelve different medications. Jesus, um, I have, I have my med. I was able to get my medical record before I got out, 
and and look at all those times and, and look at my entire record. They had me on everything you can think of, man. They were just throwing stuff and seeing if it stuck. Yeah, and it's kind of like, yeah, I, I doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and it only made things, you know, worse. Everybody's expecting after that first time I got hospitalized and I went back to work. You know, they ended up sticking me, shipping me across the base to work with the Air Force for a little bit. <laughs> they were like, okay, get out of here. We don't want to look at you. Yeah, so you went from. That's sleep. what we're talking about. Right. Like they just cut. They, <laughs> they cut. They, they they sever ties and say, all right, let's go put them way on the other end of the other base, right? Club Med. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And after about two months there, they brought me back into the building. But it wasn't things weren't the same after that, you know? Uh, it's, yeah, of course, because that stigma is there. I remember getting uh, drug tested, um, shoot, once a week. I was always on the ran- on the top of the random uh, urinalysis list. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a uh, yeah, it was just a it was just a strange time, and, and they were they were supportive, but but not at the same time, and maybe because they didn't know how. I don't I don't harbor any like hate or like you know I mean you just don't know how maybe they'd never dealt with that before, you know? Yeah. A lot of them haven't. Like, I know us as leaders in the military, we deal with it as best we can. You know, we get our training just like everybody else. But if you've never done dealt with it yourself, or maybe some of these leaders or the people with you, they're dealing with their own things at the same time. And it's maybe it scared the shit out of them that it could be them also. Because I know that that can happen to people also. It, if it hasn't affected them directly or with somebody close, it scares people. So that's why they, they try to help as best they can, but they're walking, you know, on eggshells. They don't want to say the wrong thing or like I was saying, they they're dealing with the same things themselves and it scares the shit out of them because they're like, what if that's me? What if that happens to me? Right. Right. And that's uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, I mean, so I, I'll say that the people that saved my life, the, the reason I'm still here, I had a couple of of real true friends i'm talking i mean i still i i can't i still struggle to wrap my head around why they they stuck around because they didn't they certainly did not have to i mean the second time i was hospitalized i had this this one friend who went to my barracks room you know i had moved into the barracks at that point um, on base okay and she went to my barracks went through my dirty laundry and sniffed what 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 laundry was clean and what, what laundry wasn't to bring to me at the hospital, you know. Um, now that's a friend. That's that's, that's it. <laughs> like yeah. like my mama wouldn't do that, you know. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I, that's that's the one thing I, I remember about her. It it it, it didn't make sense. Um, you know, eventually, I uh, after I was hospitalized those three times, I eventually, you know, you hit rock bottom eventually. That that first attempt in July was not rock bottom. Rock bottom was end of the year. Essentially, I realized I I pissed everybody off and pushed away even my my closest friends, even the people that cared about me the most. Right. Um, so you isolated yourself. I'd isolated myself and pushed away and uh, done. I, I was basically like, uh, you ever watch cops and they you know they they show them chasing somebody. And they're like throwing trash cans <gasps> behind them. Bad boys, <laughs> bad boys. <laughs> and they're throwing, uh, they're throwing trash cans, bricks, and everything behind them, so the cops don't catch up to them. Right. And that's pretty much what I was doing. I was, I was self, 
at that point. I had I had I had somehow along the way made a decision. Okay, well, I'm just going to kill myself slowly instead. I mean, and um, so I pushed away everybody that cared, and I I had this moment, and I still can't explain it other than some sort of spiritual experience or or what have you. I just come back from a trip to New York with one of my good friends. And I had acted, I made a, a, I was drunk the whole time. I made a total ass of myself to, to, for, for lack of better words. I had this moment where I, I woke up one morning and I was like, holy shit, uh, I have destroyed my, I've destroyed my life, you know? The um, epiphany moment. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what I was going through was self-inflicted. Yeah. Up until that point, I thought, you know, everything was out to get me and I was afraid of everything and I was mad at everybody. And I had this moment where I was like, shit, it's me. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, I think we all have those moments when it, when it really comes down to it. Like you said, when you got nowhere else to turn and you're looking at guy in the mirror, you know, you're, you're, you're over there bad talking yourself real easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is you, you know? And maybe, maybe it was because, you know, that's around the time I, uh, you know, I got finally got served with divorce papers, you know, and I had this conversation with my now ex-wife and she said, you know, John, you have to let me go. That's deep, man. That's real deep. And, yeah. And I remember, uh, yeah, like after that day, it was January 3rd, 2017. I, I still remember the date, which is, is weird. After that day, I'd, I'd say it's still been, it was still a bunch of ups and downs, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, pink cloud syndrome or if you've ever heard of it. That's You can explain if you'd like. I haven't really touched on that, so, but go ahead. Pink cloud syndrome is when, um, you know, you hear hear people talk about it in AA a lot. Um, basically, the when you're sober for like a week, everything is great, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, the sun is shining again, and it's it's like the complete polar opposite of what you were just dealing with. Yeah, and uh, everything tasted tasted amazing, and everything felt awesome, and you know it was like all this this flood of endorphins. Right, um, right. But as you come out of that, you start to look back mm-hmm. at everything, and you look back at at what you went through, and you can't account for how you got there. You know, I'm looking back like, what was that? And if I'm not mistaken, I don't mean to cut you off, um, but with, with the pink cloud syndrome, because it's familiar, it's it, it's the same thing with PTSD, right? So we go through treatment and we learn all these coping mechanisms and we do all the EMDR, you know, uh, psychotherapy and all this other stuff that, that gets us to where we, we feel that pink cloud, right? We feel, man, I'm really getting better. My life's changing around for the best. And then it's just uh, that moment where it's just kicks right back into gear and says, wait a minute, I still have PTSD. And yeah, then all of it starts kicking back in and those negative thoughts start flooding in your brain. You say, are you really better? You know, like you're not good enough. Yeah. You know, it's like you talking to yourself in the mirror again. It's like, you don't got what it takes to, to, to see this through. You know, what are you doing? Why are you lying to yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think it, part, of, part of what brought that back was I, uh, I started going around and I tried to go back or backtrack my steps and try to uh, fix some of the things I had broken, you know, some of the friendships I, I had destroyed. And some people were like, well, too late now. 
or oh, things yeah. will never be the same. And um, that really fucking hurt, man. <laughs> that's one of that's one of the steps, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really do the the AA thing. I, I'm not a not a fan of it. Yeah, I don't. A lot do of it. I don't do it anymore either. One, it's got a ninety percent uh, failure rate. So, you know, <laughs> that yeah, I could go on about that, but. Yeah, basically, you start looking back at your your actions and and the things you broke, and you start to feel shame, and you start feeling all those same feelings again. That's that big um, word that we talk about, shame word. Shame is huge. Uh, April twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. My best friend. I'm not going to name him by name. Uh, That's fine. Tommy, uh, just to protect him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But basically, Tommy was this guy that. Uh, when we were deployed together, we were on security and security forces together, right? And uh, he was my partner every single day of those two deployments. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day. When you're when you're with somebody like that, you get to know the ins and outs of them. You get to know where they're from. You get to know their family. Well, uh, you are a family on the ship. I mean, that's that's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, you get you get to know know their whole life story. You know, we would sit on watch together. Um, you know, during the straits transits going through the gulf you know it'd be me and him he'd be on the you know we'd be on the 50 cal together just right. chilling you know yep uh talking about life and everything we became really really close well uh april 24th he kills himself in front of his wife and his uh newborn daughter damn and that's rough i mean it was like a it felt like I was punched in the stomach, you know? Well, that was your, I mean, I mean, yeah, that was your best friend, man. I mean, you know what I mean? Literally. And, and it's kind of, you know what? I just, I just want to throw this out here and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, cause these are my, my own two cents and my own opinion. But I think when you hear a story like that, that just pops over and you're going through all this stuff that you're going through it just makes it that much easier to say and validate the fact that suicide is okay. Yeah. I can I can attest to that because I was going through so much shit and one of these happened here on base. You know, like we said, we ain't gonna name no names and everything, but it was it hit home like close. Like wow. And I'm like, that could have just been me. And to it and it validated it. To where I was like, why? I mean, I could just do the same thing. And be all over. There'd be a big old thing about it. You know, people yeah. make a big old thing about it and it's going to fade away. And then I'll just be a name somewhere. And I, during that time when I found that out, I probably tried to drink myself to death. Like I was just drinking so much, hoping that I would wake up. Not really trying to commit suicide, I would say, but. Not really caring. Not really caring. Like. I hope I just don't wake up. Maybe yeah. I'll be all right. But go ahead, Johnny. My bet. Well, I mean, let me let me just pause and say I am I am glad that both of you are still here to have uh, this conversation. I'm glad that you're still here, and thank you for that. I, I mean, that's that's what it's about. Absolutely. So I mean, we we're what three thousand miles away from each other, and and I mean, I I feel like you're my brother. And, uh, well, thank you. You know this. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just glad you're here. But I'll get back to my story real quick. I don't have much left. <laughs> um, but yeah, when when Tommy died, it was it was rough, and he was that guy 
he was the tough guy that everybody knew, right? Yeah. He was the one person who said, that's not going to be the one that dies that way. Um, yeah, the strong man, the strong guy of the bunch. Nothing. If, if he's good, we're all good. Yeah, that was the guy. I mean, he was a uh, he. Uh, he had went through buds and I guess had had dropped out or whatever. But he was a he was a tough, he was a tough bastard, man. And <laughs> uh, lift weights and was a was a power lifter. Uh, you know, he was a he was a good guy. And he got out. Uh, and I guess things hadn't been going so well for him. And uh, we'd even talked. You know, our our last conversation. He said to me. You know, hey, I know what it's like to put a gun to my head. If you ever need anything, or if you ever need to talk, or you know, get there again, call me. Well, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know that was. Uh, I went through. You know, you go through the whole spectrum of emotions: uh, anger, sadness, denial, whatever. Right. Uh, but I still, you know, it's it's still hard for me to wrap my, even though I was was there it's still hard for me to figure out what happened how you go from holding your newborn kid in your arms to getting there yeah about a year later i went down to visit his mom visit his mom and dad and uh, to uh leave a beer on his on his headstone i also have to say you know when when someone commits suicide it affects so many people and i don't think people I mean, it affects everybody. It affects down to the guy that owns, you know, your favorite restaurant that saw you every day. Absolutely. You know? To the you know, to the people at the gym you worked out with. Yeah, and I'll talk. I'll talk about that when we're when you're done talking about your story because that's a good point. Um. But yeah, I mean, we uh, all of our friends, you know, we all went. We all got together. We went down to his funeral. I wrote his uh, eulogy, and. Um, yeah, it was it was hard. His his funeral was, was hard. I you know I, I broke down crying. Why couldn't we? You know he saved so many of us. Why couldn't we save him? You know. Um, and uh, yeah, going back to, to we had to, you know you you go from that and then you got to go back to, to normal life again. And uh, so I end up getting that out October twenty seventeen, um, and. I was lucky. I got out with uh, honorable discharge, full benefits. Um, you know, I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't damage my career. Uh, I told him to go fuck himself at one point, but I think he was sympathetic or, or whatever. He realized I was having a bad day. <laughs> but um, I think we've all had one of those moments. I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the like button if you've done that before. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, but yeah, I got out and. Uh, hey, Johnny. Hey. Yeah. Uh, from my heart to yours, man. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank, thank you for paying your taxes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so you got out October 2017. I keep derailing me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I got out. I got out 2017. Um, sorry, what was I saying? Oh, I got out October, and I got lucky. And um, I happened to know somebody that worked at the fire department uh, town over from the base. He said, "Hey, you're getting out. You need a job, don't you? Why don't you apply to the 
to my fire department. I said, sure, why not? And I applied, uh, did my interview uh, while I was still in, and I started work pretty much the day after I got out. Nice. It's awesome. And I fell in love with it. It was, it was, it's a, like I said earlier, it's a, it's a brotherhood and it's a tight knit community. And, uh, I mean, there's something about, uh, impacting lives that, that I really enjoy. But, so I'm gonna, uh, oh, so I'm going to ask you a couple questions. So from the point where you were going through all this madness to where you're at now, how do you feel? Well, it's, uh, I still, still have my good bad days. Once I, once I was working as a firefighter, uh, I still got a little bit left in my story, if you don't mind. No, absolutely not. Um, but I mean, the transition out of the military was, was rough. It's rough on everybody. Um, even going into the fire service, I mean, there were, there were nights where I was, I was sleeping in my truck uh, where I didn't have much money or and things, but I had friends to, to help me out. And I, I don't know. I, I think by the end of all that journey, I, I had the skills to survive, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And um, eventually, I left my uh, job as a, at the fire department in South Carolina and uh, moved here to Kentucky to be closer to my son because uh, I wanted to be closer to my son. You know, everything, jobs are great and everything, but you can't get that time with your kids back. And uh, so I kind of just like <laughs> took a leap of faith and uh, left that, say goodbye to, those, to that department uh, and enrolled in school in Cincinnati. And then did that for the last year on my GI Bill. And I was like, well, I'm still not close. So I moved to the same town and I'm about a mile away from him now. Um, and he's a happy, healthy, seven-year-old little boy. Um, and I'll say that, you know, to anybody that's struggling uh, with, with trying to find a reason to live, because I, when I was going through those deep, dark times, all I would pray for is, God, give me one reason today. Just, just one. I just need one. Give me, give me something today for why I should keep living. Right? And um, I don't know. I, I, I got to a place where I realized, like, you know, there's, there's so much out there left to do. Um, I mean, I've been out to Montana and, and, and worked on a ranch for a week. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, I've been on dates. I've made new friends. I, uh, I play, I, you know, I, I coach rugby, you know, at the college. I, I'm going back to school. Uh, watch, my, watch my kid play baseball. Uh, you know, all those are things that if I was – gone i wouldn't experience and the people that i experienced them with i didn't know that either and so i, I guess I'm, I'm trying to say that it maybe don't do it you know don't don't find a reason to live just because it would make everybody else sad if you're gone but you have so much left to experience in this lifetime and 
you know, the, the, the brain is a, is a weird, uh, complex organ that we've been studying for thousands of years, but it's still a body part like anything else. And if it breaks, if your arm breaks, you go to a doctor, right? Absolutely. You don't, you don't keep carrying around a broken arm, <laughs> you know? And, well, it's going to be very uncomfortable and, and you're probably not going to be able to bear the pain. Right. And uh, I think that's that's where I hope to see mental health uh, get to is that we, we realize that it's it's just like anything else. You you have to get you have to get the help, and it won't get it won't get better by toughing it out or telling someone to man up. Uh, you know, simply praying over it. I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, but um, yeah, it won't get better until you get the help you need. Hey, Johnny, I want to ask you a question. So, for the guy right now, standing on that parking garage looking down at that street from the guy now, what would you tell him? Hmm. I'd say that it, it gets, it gets better in ways that you don't, you can't even, you can't even see right now. And that, um yes, maybe maybe you have to deal with depression or PTSD or anxiety or whatever you're dealing with, you know, your your whole life. Um but it's not something that you can't you know, every and every situation's different. But it's not something that you can't fight. Um and you know, and I I think of my own, um, you know, I think of my own grandfather. My grandfather uh, fought in World War II, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Um, I mean, the Argos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you read about the those the, the brutal things that happened in, in Europe at that time, it was it's. And he came home, and and back then you didn't talk about it. Yeah, you hit. You you pretended like it it, you know. Absolutely. Everything was fine, and and looking back, I know that he dealt with those same demons. Um, shell shock, right? Yeah, shell shock. Yeah. And I guess I would tell that guy now, you know, hey, this isn't this isn't forever. This feeling that you have is not the end. Would you say that suicide is a permanent fix to a temporary problem? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a fix because it's not really a, not really a, not really a. I guess it's a solution, or you, you get there by logical means. But uh, well, it's illogical by- means, I, I think, and and I think that what I what I was getting at is, it is a permanent decision. That's a better word for it. Permanent decision to a temporary problem that we oh, can all course. fight through. And I know that, you know, um, I really, I really want to thank you for sharing your story. Um, 
words can't describe when somebody comes forward to face evil and the things that we face on a day-to-day basis from our kids at school to the, to the things that they have to suffer through, you know, on their own to the, the wife that's at home that has to suffer through what she's suffering through to the husband, through the service member, through the first responder, through any civilian out there. We all have our own significant issues going on. But as we can hear from from Johnny, and I know Johnny will attest, everything is repairable. Nothing is going to be permanent unless you make it that way, in the wrong way. Don't give up, my friends. Um, Johnny didn't give up. He could have very well easily given up, and we wouldn't be able to have this conversation right now, and he wouldn't be touching lives like I know that we're probably doing. We are in it together. And I want to coin Johnny's phrase for everybody out there, and if you guys can pass that message along, your reason today for living, what is it? That should be the message. Just find one reason today for living and you'll make it through that day. I think that is a great start. Johnny, how do you feel today? I feel, um, I mean, I feel hopeful. Um, like I said, I just, and so, you know, moving is always weird and, <laughs> and stressful. But, I mean, I, I feel like I, I can survive what life throws at me now, um, for the most part. Um, and I don't know. It, it, I mean, I have regrets like every, anybody else. Um, and I'll, I'm, I'm spending years, uh, years of my life, you know, rebuilding my life, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I like what you said that it's not, nothing's permanent unless you make it that way. That's correct. Correct. My friend. Hey, Johnny, I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time to, uh, tell your story to the world. Um, absolutely. I really, I really enjoy talking to you. Remember, you got brothers uh, and sisters out here in the in, in the United States, all over the world, possibly. Uh, if you ever have those feelings, you know, of doubt, anything like that, please don't don't be afraid to reach back out because we know that these symptoms, yeah, we have our ups and downs, and and sometimes we're on our peaks and valleys, um, and sometimes we need that little extra push to get over that that uh, that valley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's um. It was an honor to to be a part of uh to share, and, uh, you know, to to be a part of this, and uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Yeah, there's a uh, there's people on here that are commenting saying that uh they're very glad to hear your story that it took a lot for you to come out and talk pretty much to the world because this is pretty much a record you know anything that goes on the internet anybody can hear at any time, whenever. So it's, it's huge for you to share something like this. Yeah, it was, um, 
that that's that's the thing. It's been uh, I've been scared for a long time about about telling the whole story. Because uh, you know I've been on dates where somebody says, "Oh, you're a veteran. You're not one of those veterans, are you?" Ouch. <laughs> burn. <laughs> Sick burn, bro. You need that button. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I have had uh, trouble dating and, and trying to, but you know what? I realized, hey, maybe I need to work on myself some more uh, and spend some more time uh, getting to know me again. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hey, if anybody, uh, anybody that's on the live uh, stream right now, if y'all have any questions for Johnny or us or comments, or if you want to chime in on anything, you know, on the topic today of suicide, go ahead and uh, we'll read them back and we can read the, the, the questions y'all have for Johnny since you said his story. Yeah. Also give Johnny a little bit of love too. you know, talk to him. If you have questions directly, hit him up. It's fine. I'm sure that he doesn't mind. Uh, he's in the fight. Like I said, we're in this, we're in this, this brutal fight together against these, these elements, you know what I mean? These, these negative elements of life. And, uh, we're definitely going to punch suicide right in the face with this one. And, um, like I said, my motto, just one person, you touch one person, that one person touches somebody else and it spreads like wildfire, like a spider web. And we might save a life tonight. Exactly. If, uh, if I save one life through my story, uh, it's lifetime, then I then I'll be happy, you know. Yeah, man. So I want to say my reason today for living, since we're talking about this, right? My reason today for living is my wife and my children. Um, I mean, it could you could say that's generic. You know, everybody would probably say that, but no. I mean, my wife and my children have definitely kept me grounded. So that's my reason today for living. Trey, what you got? I'm a bite off of yours. Oh, of course. Snap. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's my family, you know, and I've, I've learned to appreciate my family a whole lot more that I'm now that I'm clear minded and I can actually enjoy the things with, with my, my wife and my kids, you know, like me and my son, we've been playing FIFA like crazy these past two weeks online, just playing <laughs> FIFA. And then like today, FIFA 20 came out. And uh, I was setting all this stuff up for the podcast, and my son just runs in. Dad, school was boring. Don't even ask me about it. But we got to go get FIFA right now. I'm like, all right. I've been waiting. <laughs> and so, like, he's like, hurry up. And he went to go get his wallet because he was going to pitch in some money because we both play. And we ran over there. And they're like, well, you pre-ordered the standard edition. That doesn't come out till Friday. The champion's <laughs> edition's out today. And that son of a gun's 80 bucks. Oh yeah, just comes out with his all this extra content, and he just looks at me, and I know Melanie's gonna be like, eighty bucks for a game, but <laughs> I saw him look at me, and I'm like, wow, oh, what the hell? Go ahead, and we bought the thing, and we ran home, and we're up there playing, and he's like, oh, dad, and he, you know, we're talking smack to each other, man. That I didn't have that before. He'd be upstairs like playing Fortnite or something, and I'm just here drinking on the web or watching TV or doing something else. And then all those thoughts of, um, I shouldn't be here right now type of thing crossed my mind. And I'm just thankful that I'm clear headed now and I'm enjoying those things and I'm enjoying doing this, this I'm like so immersed into this podcast. Now you can ask Heath, like I'm constantly bothering this dude. And hey, what do you think about this? 
and I found these people and they're, yeah. you know. Yeah. We're really, we're really, like I said, Trey has done tremendous work here. You know what I mean? To make this, this possible. I didn't think that it was going to be like this, but you know, just a, just a determination and a drive to make a change, you know what I mean? For the better of humanity and uh, the better of, of just being a, a brother and sisterhood, you know, and, and fighting these things that, that we don't need to fall victim to, you know, it, every life's precious. Um, I mean, if you really want to talk about living, you know, well, your reason, everybody's reason for, for living today should be just life in general. You know, they're blessed with it. We're blessed with life. Some babies are born and they lose their lives very quickly. Some children lose their lives quickly too. You know, they don't get a chance to live. So these are all great reasons to to hold up and 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 fight for your life. And and it's like y'all said, don't live just because you know people are gonna be sad if you go like that passes. Yeah. Time heals everything. Um live because of like you said that one thing that one thing today that'll just hold you on if that's all you have and that's all you need that one small string then hold on to that with everything you got wake up tomorrow and have another thing and it, i mean it's hard it's hard when you're down in the dumps like that where you're like i've destroyed all my relationships i've um everybody that cared about me i've let down countless times and it's like we were talking about last week with transparency. You're transparent with people. You're like, I got a problem. And then you let them down and go back into the circle you're in. And it feels even worse. You feel like there's nobody there for you at all. Yeah. But there, there people still care about you. Even if you don't think so, there are people there that do give a damn about you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I had a, uh, Text message from a from a friend the other day uh, that said, "You know, you don't know this, but I've been cheering you on from afar." And it was somebody I hadn't talked to in in months. And it was, uh, you're absolutely right. You have no idea who's watching you and who's uh, who's going through the same things that are that see what see what you overcome and and I have the strength to keep going. Definitely, we got some comments here on the live chat. We got a Kelly Sweeney said defining our why helps propel us forward. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's so true. And then we got a Chris Elder. He's been commenting here a lot. This last one said he had a question. He said, how would you approach someone you suspect you suspect that is in the dark in that moment in numbness? I give that well, one to Johnny. Yeah. What do you think, Johnny? <laughs> Well, I mean, I have to think about how my own uh, my own friend that I talked to about earlier, the one that um, sniffed my laundry, uh, <laughs> she was literally uh, there in my face, would not leave me the heck alone. And um, that, I mean, it's uncomfortable, but and and you might you might get some pushback, or you might they might try to push you away, but. Um, simply just being there so, uh, with that person. So staying persistent, knowing there's something Stay wrong with you. Okay. 
Yeah, and being present. And sometimes you got to ask the hard question. Hey, are you going to kill yourself? Yeah. Hey, that's that's a good point. Absolutely. Don't don't be afraid yeah. to yeah. Don't be afraid to throw it out there. I'll say that in the entire my entire journey, that was that's a question that nobody ever asked. Because it's one of them questions like I you know, like is that something I just gonna ask this guy? You know, like, hey man, you gonna kill yourself today? <laughs> you know, it it's it's not see when I when I talk about that, it might sound funny, but it's not in our human yeah. nature to have to ask those kind of questions. It makes us think twice, like, why am I asking this question? Because it's not our nature to want to kill ourselves. I think that no, what we go through as human beings, uh, just like your story, you know, and, and Trey's and mine, everybody that that's listening, I'm sure they have a story. It's, it's all the same. You know what I mean? We go through so much that the brain, like you said, is an organ and it can only take so much before it implodes. I'm a Christian man, just like you. I believe in, in Jesus Christ and, 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 and I walk his walk every day and I still put a gun to my head. And, and when I tell people that they, their eyes get big, you know, and they're like, what, you know, like they, they can't believe it. It's yeah. not because I didn't love God at that time. In that moment, it's because I was injured. My brain was, was injured. You know what I mean? I was not thinking as myself. <laughs> Melanie's had a, <coughs> I just choked on these by Melanie's had to hide my firearms for me in the house. Or give them to our friends to hold on to, fearing that I'm going to go on a vendor and I'm just going to off myself because she's like, that's not you. Whoever you during that time, that's not you at all. Yeah. And I'm like, nobody cares about me. Y'all don't give a damn about me. And she's like, I'm telling you, I care about you. But I'm looking at these little things to pinpoint. No, you don't care about me because of these other things. And if I don't, if you don't care about me, then nobody else does. And that's all I need. And I just remember her just hiding them. Like, I didn't even, I'd look and I'm like, did you hide this? And she'd be like, yeah, I had to. I'm like, what if somebody breaks in? I'm going to need, I know where they are. She said, I know where they are. <laughs> and even then she put a magazine somewhere else. And then the, yeah, make you look for it. Yeah. Make me, yeah. yeah. Even with keys, man, my wallet, my wallet Ooh. with drinking, she'd be like, I wake up the next morning. I'm like, I'm going to go get something, especially in the mornings, especially if it was a weekend. Everybody's asleep. I wake up, I got my wallet and keys, and I try to go get some stuff and hide it in the house. And I'd be drinking by myself somewhere and try to hide it. She caught on to that real quick. So she'd be, she'd be behind the wallet somewhere and the keys somewhere mm-hmm. else. And I'm like, what in the fuck is going on in my life where my wife is having to hide these things from me? So I don't know. That was yeah, I am. Um, huge. I can speak on that for a second. It, it, uh, that's why I don't hold any, any hate or any, any ill, uh, ill will towards my ex-wife. It, it had to have been terrifying to see what I was going through and not being able to stop it. Um, I can't, I can't imagine being on the other. I, I tried to put myself in her shoes. I can't imagine being, Seeing it from the other side. Um, I have and, no idea. Uh, I would have gave up personally. I was yeah. on the other side. We got a. Um, Chris Elder replied back. He said, uh, get uncomfortable. Show your heart and you care, brother. 
I love it. Direct. Hell yeah. And then uh, my homie Santiago Briones, he's from my neck of the woods back home in Texas. He said, uh, I don't know what was before life. I don't know what comes after death. All we have is our time under the sun. I've got to make life count, even in the hard stuff. He said, that's my reason for living. That's good stuff right there. It is. All right. Well, I got a couple... I got a couple plugs I got to put in here for, uh, for the local community. Um, so Island County community care meeting is tomorrow evening, uh, Wednesday, September 25th at six to seven thirty PM. And that's on Aaron park road, Oak Harbor, uh, come out. This is for all organizations that are interested in, uh, combining efforts to bring our community resources together, uh, and as one, and we're all invited. So, um, anybody out there, that's that's trying to you know do anything for the community that that needs to get in contact with other people for networking purposes things like that to get on the same page please come out uh to the island county community care meeting uh tomorrow night september 25th 2019 6 to 7 30 p.m um and that address again is 632 a aaron park road or carver washington 9277 uh, i'd also like to give a, a a good shout out to fit to recover I'm wearing their tee tonight. Um, My buddy Ian back in Utah. uh, These guys are really in depth. Uh, It's a, it's a volunteer strictly nonprofit organization that works with recovering addicts, uh, PTSD, uh, veterans, civilians, uh, anybody that's suffering from mental health and, 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 and illness. Uh, This guy takes them under the wing and gives them an extracurricular activity as in CrossFit training and things like that to actually get those endorphins going uh, get those workouts in and uh, give them something to hope for. So I'd like to thank Ian uh, for putting that stuff in my life. Um, Trey, back over to you. Um, just with us, with the podcast, if you, you know, I know it was a long stream right now. And what we'll do is for the people that missed it or got the tail end of it or whatever, um, I'll put it on YouTube. I'll share the link uh, on our on our page here, and you can always go back to the live streams. The audio straight up podcasts were on Apple now, on Apple iTunes. You just got to search uh, "Why Is It Like That" podcast. It's on the Apple Podcasts. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on uh, iHeartRadio, a plethora of others, but those are the main ones right there. Yeah, here we go. Apple Podcasts, Anchor. We're also on Google Podcasts. Overcasts, Radio Public, and Spotify. So if you missed any of these prior ones, you could just go there, listen to them on 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 your way to work, on your commute, or wherever you're at. Um, we're in the process of building a website right now as well, where you can have all this content on there. We'll be writing a blog um, as well. Just one of us just getting on there and just telling you how our day is or what we went through that day or whatever. Um, it'll have a forum that. We'll list our podcasts on there. I'm working in the process of having this uh, widget on there where if you're if you need to talk to somebody, you know, somebody that's licensed, you click it and it'll get you in touch with a counselor. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Coming up. Other guests we're going to have this week, we're going to interview a psychologist, actually my psychologist locally. Her name's uh, Lynn. Marzoni, you might know her here from the behavioral health facility here in uh, on Bay. She's retiring, and she's been so gracious to let us interview her, her on 
on her end and, and the way she sees it from her end and how she's done it. Uh, my hypnotherapist, we're going to interview her. There's uh, some people from Australia who are uh, motivational speaker types for mental health and illness that we'll also have on the show. So we have a lot of stuff we're coming up just to just to reach people and just to see it from all different type of angles. Our angle, Johnny's angle as a veteran, uh, professionals, motivational speakers. Um, I think we're even trying to go to the jail. Yeah. The yeah. local jail. Yeah. And, I want to try Cause I mean, inmates, I mean, look at, look at the culture they're in. That's, that's a constant battleground every day. So that is definitely going to be something uh, that we definitely want to dive into because they're, they're people too, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're incarcerated. They made mistakes in their life, but guess what? They're human beings. They deserve second chances. And maybe their stories need to get out there to those guys in the streets that, that this, this can stop a yeah. lot of things from happening. It could save a lot of lives from going to prison, from ending up in a ditch. Uh, you name it. This is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for you. Um, so, and surprisingly, they want to share their story from, we know the medical director here in the, in the County. And she said, they want to share their story. Yeah. Like they want to help as well as much as they can. So that's all we're trying to do. Make a community out of this. If you um, want to see us too, we're going to be there at the uh, care event tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you guys can, can definitely, whoever's listening that wants to stop on by, stop on by, talk to me and Trey. Uh, we'll be happy to sit down and just, just, just chat it up with you. Um, also one more plug uh, for an app. If you have iPhones or Google, it's called objective zero. Uh, Objective Zero, if you guys do not know what it's about, it's pretty much a connection uh, out there to be able to message or talk to different people out in the entire United States of America that are linked into this program uh, that are signed into this app at any given moment when you're in crisis. So you can, I mean, you could be anywhere in the world and you could say, hey, you know, go into this thing and say, message this person. I need to talk to a, a counselor and they're listed on there and they'll hit you back. Uh, on message. You know what I mean? So there's tools out there for us to use. It is up to us to use them and it is up to us to also promote them to be able to be used. Uh, information that's left in the pocket, I like to say, is useless. So let's get that information out of pocket. Sundays? Oh, Sundays. Oh, yes. And huh. so Sunday, uh, also, if you're in the Oak Harbor community in Washington, I do a a trauma group, uh, combat trauma, adult trauma, childhood trauma group uh, at Living Word Oak Harbor. If you want to sign up for that, go to livingwordoakharbor.org, go to groups, and then go through there, sign up for the group, and it'll message me. I will know you're coming and feel free. The more people, the merrier, the bigger the classroom I get for the more people that come. And it's going to be great. We're planning to do some uh, live events out there, like going on nature walks to the beach, uh, bonfires, possibly different things, uh, yoga classes, just different things to get the community engaged and get some people some relief. Awesome. Well, uh, Johnny, stay on the line so we can we can talk after this. But um, okay. We appreciate it, guys, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for tuning in. I think we hit up to like 25 viewers at one time. And not to mention the people we're going to reach on the podcast itself. If you want, share the stuff. Tell your friends. Tell your buddies. We're in it for y'all. We're, we're doing this for the people, for the people that are doing stuff. If we can save one person from this, then we we accomplished what this whole thing was about. So we'll see you next Tuesday. Um, got some big things coming up. So uh, real quick, 
we didn't get to do it at the beginning because uh, of how we started our podcast, but I'd like to give a moment of silence for uh, Johnny's best friend and all the airmen, sailors, soldiers, and Marines in harm's way or in the situation or in the shoes that Johnny or I or Trey or anybody else feels and faces. Let's give him a moment of silence for strength. And that's all I got, folks. God bless. Thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to having you next time. Thanks, Johnny.